Hey, welcome to the C3 Auckland podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, head to c3church.org.nz. We hope you enjoy this message. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8 to 13, this is what it says. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray for us and then we're going to get into it. Uh, Lord, we just thank you right now that you're here. We thank you for every single person that has been water baptized tonight. We thank you that their stories are a trophy of grace and a testament to your saving power. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are here by your Holy Spirit. We invite you here to fill this space with your presence. We thank you, Lord, that in a night like this, anything can happen. We're full of faith. We're expecting for you to move. Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord, I just pray forgiveness on the Blues and the Warriors. Forgive them for their sins. Fill the Black Caps with your Holy Spirit. Give them a spirit of victory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Awesome. You guys can be seated. Thanks, team. You guys can take it away. Thank you, Jesus. Black Caps are looking good, aren't they? Amen. Awesome. Hey, well, if we haven't met, my name's Zach. I'm part of the team here. Thank you very much, Pastor Matt, for those very kind, gracious words. And uh, tonight, I want to talk to us out of this passage that we just read together as a church about an idea which I like to sort of call dealing with the leadership baggage. Dealing with leadership baggage. I think we've got a tile that's going to come up at any point. Um, oh, there we go. Fantastic. Shout out to Jay Kizri who made that for me. It probably wasn't supposed to be used like this, AJ. Eh, I'm really, really sorry. But I just liked it, so I just thought I'd chuck it up. He's laughing at me. Fantastic. But um, okay, here's the deal. Okay. Basically in life, okay, I feel like there are three things that are like absolutely unavoidable for every single human being. One is death, one is taxes, and one is leadership baggage. Every single one of us in life are going to have to deal with leadership baggage. Let me tell you a leadership baggage story from my own life. Okay. So for those of you that haven't figured it out yet, I am Korean. And so (laughs) you're welcome. Write that down. Now, so I'm Korean, and every single Saturday, I would go to a place called Korean School, which my Asian mother, God bless her, made me go to, to learn the language. And so that's why I can still speak Korean, which is great. And uh, one of the things we'd do at Korean School is Taekwondo, because I don't know if you knew, knew this, but Taekwondo was invented by Koreans. So I would do Taekwondo. And my instructor, God bless his soul, forgiveness. He uh, basically, in a sort of loose translated way once, told me, come on, Zach, can't you kick higher than that? Too many dumplings, right? And I was like, jeepers. Because when, uh, when I was in primary school, uh, I was quite, uh, quite chubby. Uh, my nickname was Jenny, as in Jenny Craig. You know, like, so they'd be like, hey, Jenny, how's Jenny Craig going, Jenny? It's always funny when I tell people that, because all the boys like laugh, and all the girls are like, oh, God bless you, ladies, and all your empathy. I really appreciate it. But anyway, that was a leadership baggage moment, right? And all of us can get it. All of us can get leadership baggage from 
our bosses or that teacher that was always mean to you or like some manager that won't give you a pay rise. And God forbid that there's maybe someone in church, like a church leader that's given you some leadership baggage. That's really, really challenging and tricky. And it would be amiss of me actually to move on without honoring our amazing leaders, Pastor Dean and Fiona, Pastor Matt and Estelle. Um, You know, it's no small feat. Like I was thinking about it the other day. I've actually looked up to these guys as leaders for like 12 years. That's a long time. Like that's a long time for someone to just be solidly, faithfully um, role modeling and exemplifying what it looks like to live for Jesus. So I really, really honor you, Pastor Matt and Pastor Dean and Fiona. You guys are absolutely amazing. So all of us have leadership baggage. Most of us, right, most of us, we get it from our parents because that's sort of like usually the first sort of authority sort of relationship you have to deal with. You know what I mean? So, like, you know, you might have parents that are amazing, but, you know, they were, like, really successful, so you feel like you have to live up to them. You know, you might have had parents that were, like, really well-meaning, but they were, like, you better get good grades and do really well. And all my fellow Asians see it a hearty amen. <laughs> Thanks, Bessie. You know, like, so all of us have, have leadership baggage, right, from our parents. Um, Christian psychologist Dr. Henry Cloud probably said it best. He said, as a Christian, you may have Jesus' blood in your veins, but you still have your family in your bones, so all of us, right, we have to deal with the stuff. Just because you become a Christian doesn't make it all just magically poof, go away. We have to deal with this issue of leadership baggage. And my prayer for us tonight is that we would leave the baggage behind. Carry on only, baby. We're walking onto that plane and we are flying into our destiny and we're getting over all this leadership baggage stuff. And the way we're going to do it is to be informed and transformed by the Word of God. That's how we're going to do it. Amen. Now, before you check out, because you might think, oh, I'm not a leader, Zach. You know, I'm just like the quiet guy behind the scenes. You know, please don't check out. Because the reality is, you might have heard this before, but it's true. Every single one of us, Jesus is calling us to be in a position of leadership. Do you know why? Because all of us are called to be like Jesus. To be a Christian means to be spiritually formed into the image of Jesus right? And Jesus, however you define leadership, Jesus was the ultimate example of leadership, okay? You have to realize this. Well, however you define leadership, some people call leadership influence, right? That's how some people define leadership. Now, Jesus, pre-Instagram, was one of the most influential dudes you will ever meet. Celebrities wanted a piece of him, um, government leaders, religious leaders, everybody wanted a piece of Jesus. Interestingly, Jesus was like, nah, I'm done with you. One Bible commentator says that he was obsessed with the marginalized and the poor and the outcast and the broken in society. But Jesus was a seriously influential dude. He'd turn up and start talking and 20,000 people would turn up, which in those days, that's like two cities. That's not one town. That's like two whole towns emptying themselves to go and hear this guy talk, right? And, you know, I don't know how many millions of followers Bieber or Kardashian or any of those guys have. Right now on the earth, there are roughly 2 billion people that claim to be followers of Jesus. Absolutely influential guy, okay? Some people define leadership as servanthood. You know, like, oh, actually, real leadership is serving others, right? You know, Jesus literally said that. He literally said that in Matthew 20, verse 28. He said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He didn't just say it, he practiced it too. He got down um, in the posture of a servant and cleaned his, and washed his disciples' feet, All right? Beautiful. Like, I don't know if you're like me, but I hate feet. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Jesus did it. He did it, all right? And some people, you would define leadership as responsibility, taking responsibility. Pastor Dean, he talks to us as a staff, and he says, leaders are those that solve problems. 
Leaders are those that take responsibility. One thing that's like banned on C3 staff here at our church is this whole attitude, it's not my problem. Because it might not be your problem, but it's our problem. So we can't say that. We're not allowed to say that. Pastor Dean will get really, really annoyed when we start talking like that because leadership is taking responsibility, okay? Jesus took responsibility. 2 Corinthians 5 says that he became sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus came and he looks at the sin problem. He sees people living bad. He sees people doing their own thing. He sees people far from God. And even though he's perfect, he says, I'm gonna take on their sin and I'm gonna solve this problem and I'm gonna take responsibility and die on a cross. I'm gonna live the life you couldn't live and I'm gonna die the death you deserve to die because Jesus was the ultimate leader, right? So when 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 we come and sort of like, Bring this back to, to Timothy. This is a leadership conversation. It is. The book of Timothy is a letter from Paul, who's like the master, and Timothy, who's like the apprentice. You know, so like Paul's like Yoda and Timothy's like Luke, or you know, like Paul's like Iron Man and you know, like Luke, uh, Timothy's like, you know, Spider-Man. You know, like of course Avengers is gonna be in there. You know, like, you know, Timothy's like Gandalf and and, and you know, Paul's like Gandalf, sorry, and Timothy's like like uh, Frodo. However you want to put it, okay? So this is, a, this is a leadership conversation between one master and an apprentice, okay? And the thing is, the reason why this is so important is because in the early church, okay, leadership was like a little bit more simple. So you imagine you're a church, you've all decided to follow Jesus and you need a pastor and you interview this guy. It's like, cool, what's your name? Hi, I'm Peter. Cool, man, Peter, what's your credentials? Like, what's your CV? Oh, like, walked on water, personally chosen by Jesus, denied him three times, restored personally by the Lord, personally chosen to build the rock, like the rock, you know, they'll build the church. It's like, cool, you'll do, you know? And then like, hey, John, what's your credentials? Oh, you know, like the beloved disciple, you know, like hung out with Jesus. Jesus asked me to look after his mom after he's gone. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah, you're legit too. Cool. Hey, what's your credentials? Oh, I'm James, Jesus' half-brother, grew up with him, you know? Like I sort of know what he was saying, what he was about. It was so annoying growing up with Jesus because Mary would be like, oh, you know, boys, who's stolen the cookies? And James would be like, oh, it's Jesus. And Jesus is like, Nah, it wasn't me. <laughs> Can't lie, you know, halo. You know, so so it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty clear cut, right? And then these dudes raised up some other guys. So then Timothy's like personally raised up by Paul, which is great. So leadership's sort of like a simpler thing to get around in the early church. But then what happens when Paul passes away? And then Timothy passes away, and then it gets carried on. What do we what do we do? What does church, what does Christian leadership look like? What does leadership in the church look like? That's why it's so important that we dig into this passage because it was written down, eternalized in the Word of God. And in this letter, this is Paul telling us what it looks like to be a leader. Amen. So we're going to dive in right now. We're going to start in verse 8. There's a whole bunch of other verses before verse 8 that talk about uh, like deacons and, and overseers and all this sort of stuff. We don't really have time to get into it. But as the handsome guy in the video said, you should come to see through Leadership College because we take three lectures, one hour each to dig into this stuff. So just putting it out there. Okay, verse eight, this is what it says. Deacons, deacon, by the way, comes from the Greek, Greek word diakonos, which means like servant. Okay, verse eight, this is what it says. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. My first point is this, if you're taking notes because you want to get into heaven. My first note is this. I'm joking. That's a joke. But seriously, you should take notes. Verse, my first point is this, lead yourself and then lead others. Lead yourself and then lead others. Okay, so look at, listen to some of these characteristics, like dignified, you know, not double-tongued, meaning like, you know, mean what you say and say what you mean, 
you know, not addicted to much wine. Notice it doesn't say don't drink wine. It says don't be addicted to the stuff because there's a key difference there, okay? If you don't want to drink wine, that's totally your prerogative, absolutely. I know some Christians do, and that's fantastic, okay? But he's not being legalistic about that issue. He's saying don't be addicted to that stuff. In other words, as a leader, you need to be dignified. Leaders dress differently. Leaders talk differently. Leaders post on social media differently. Hello, just think about that. Like leaders are dignified, okay? They're dignified. They're dignified in how they do things, and they, and they lead themselves. And it's not to say that they're perfect, but they're modeling what it looks like to be maturing, to be growing, to be, to be um, stepping fuller, more fuller into the things of God. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to lead ourselves before we ever think we're in a place where we can lead others. Does that make sense? Right? That's what leadership's all about. Okay? And when it talks about dishonest gain, it's not just talking about money there. It's actually not. What it's talking about is like there's this thing where it's sort of nice, right, to be like needed. There's this like need we all have to be needed. And it's really not good in the church especially, right? One of the best things I love to hear about our um, getaway camp, which is a camp for young people over New Year's, right? It's fantastic. One of the best things I love to hear from a young person, hey, how was camp? Yeah, it was amazing. You know, I just I just heard from God, and I just had this amazing God moment. It was so good. It's like, oh, cool. Who was talking? It's like, I don't really know. I can't remember. Some Asian guy. But no, it was awesome. And you might think, oh, you know, like, don't you know how much time I put into that talk? No, 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 no. Because it's not about you like being drawn to me. It's about you being drawn to Jesus. And my only job is to grab you and say, look at Jesus. He's awesome, right? That's what leadership's all about. This need to be needed is really, really dangerous. And it's not fit for a church leader to have that sort of attitude. You need to lead yourself before you lead others. Is that good? Awesome. Verse 9, this is what it says. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. My second point tonight is this. You must lead in the miracle and in the mystery. You must lead in the miracle and in the mystery. You see, sometimes I get nervous when Christians are like really, you know, and I get it, like they're really sure of themselves and they give all these sort of really, really simplistic, oversimplistic answers to some quite complicated things. So for example, we've seen some absolute miracles in our church. We've seen people healed of cancer. My own mother was diagnosed with cancer in 2007 and she's still alive, praise God right? We've had amazing miracles and, and testimonies of God's grace and healing. We've also had church members pass away from cancer. And you think, what's that about, Zach? What it is, is life is both miracle and mystery, okay? And church leaders are the people that are supposed to help people navigate these things, you know? Put away the oversimplified sort of answers, like, oh, just have faith, or just turn up to give, or blah, 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 like, just do this one thing, and everything's going to be rainbows and unicorns. No, no, no. No, that's not how life works. Life is both miracle and mystery. Does God heal? Absolutely. Does He heal all the time? No. What's the answer with that? I don't know, you know? And if you're a leader that sort of thinks you have to have all the uh, answers, I've got good news for you tonight. You don't. You don't. It's great. You know, you get to sit there and go, guys, like, I don't know why that happened, but this is what I do know. The Bible is true. God is good. He is faithful. He is for you. He never promised you rainbows and unicorns, but he promised you he'd always be with you, right? That's what leadership is. Leadership is not sort of flicking people off and giving these oversimplified answers. You must lead in the miracle and in the mystery. Amen. Verse 10, listen to this. And then, and let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. My third point tonight is this. Lead to serve 
and then serve some more. <laughs> That's cool, eh? Lead to serve and then serve some more. Okay, Christian leadership, like I was saying earlier, is all about service. Just, excuse me, I'll take a drink. Cheers. Okay, church is... Church and leadership in the church is all about servanthood, okay? In the world, leadership is like I get to sit one day in an office and have like a PA and have all these people do stuff for me. Like, you know, so I serve maybe initially, but eventually I want to get to the point where I'm not serving, I'm being served. But you see, God's ways are teaching us how to live right side up in an upside down world. So Christian leadership is all about serving. The more you serve, the more in sync with God's plan and purpose you are. You cannot excel at Christian leadership with a worldly mindset. You cannot excel at Christian leadership with a worldly mindset. You can't. It doesn't work. Some people just replace like hustle for money and they sort of just bring it into the church and they just call it like holy hustle. Like, yeah, I used to be after like sales, but now I'm just after souls, you know, and they just go around and it's like, and it's like, it's different. It's different, cuzzy. It's totally different. It doesn't work. Right? Like, yes, God's all about hard work and all of those things. He affirms all of that. But ultimately, you can't take worldly mindsets and just bring them into the church and smush them and make them fit into the Christian worldview. It's absolutely countercultural what Christian leadership is. The servants are the ones that are the true great ones in the kingdom of God. Okay? There's a, there's a really famous quote. We don't really know who said it, but this is what it says. If serving is beneath you, then leadership is beyond you. And that's true. If serving is beneath you, leadership's beyond you, especially in the church, yeah, right? Because here's the thing, servanthood is great because you don't actually ever, I promise you, you don't ever want to get to a place, like be elevated to a platform that your character can't sustain. You don't. Like I started praying this prayer. It was quite scary. It was quite like sort of brought a lot of insecurities for me, but eventually I I meant it. At first I didn't, to be honest, but I did. I would walk with God and I'd say, God, please, please, please protect me from opportunities where my character won't sustain me. I don't want it. I don't want to force my way onto the table because if I do, then I have to keep myself there. And that's a lot of pressure. And I'm not about pressure, man. I'm like, cool. (laughs) Oh, Zach, what are you doing here? Oh, I just got invited, you know. Just thought I'd share some thoughts. Oh, who invited you? Oh, you know, Matt. Fascinating. Talk, take it up with him if you don't think I should be here. It's, you know, I'm just, I'm just here, man. You know, like that's that's how that's how God wants to promote and elevate you. Servanthood. Amen. Does that make sense? Are you with me tonight? Amen. Fantastic. And then my final point is this. Maybe if we can get um, Jono Fuller up, that'll be great. Love you, Jono. Fantastic. Verse 11 to 13. This is what it says: Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children in their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. My fourth and final point tonight is this. Lead so that those closest to you approve. Lead so that those closest to you approve, right? What this is talking about is that you can't be a Sunday saint and a Monday sinner. You can't. You can't. It doesn't work, right? You can't be a Christian leader and then go go and not be a Christian leader at your job. You, it's just not going to work. You know what I mean? Now, that doesn't mean that you act exactly the same, by the way, here at church as you do at work. Just just so you know, too. Like, have some wisdom. You know what I mean? Like, at church, you're just like, Jesus, amen. God bless you, brother. Shandy Bundy, you know. And then you go to work the next day, and it's like, amen. God bless you, brother. Shandy Bundy. Like, like, that might not really work for you. Like, if you work here with us at C3, it's fine. But, you know, like, 
So we're not talking about that. What we're talking about, though, is that your character. Because the Bible isn't talking about the surface level things anyway. It's talking about your heart and your motives and your character. See, that can't change. That can't change, right? And the reason why the Bible hones in on this issue, right, it starts to bring up things like your wife and your children. It's like, what? Like, no, I'm good. God, like, do you, you, know, do you really, you know, like, do I have to keep all that stuff, like, sorted? And God's like, yes. Because leadership, Christian leadership, is leading with everything you are, right? You don't have the sort of closet of skeletons. You can't. You can't have that sort of stuff, right? Christian leadership is you lead with everything you are. Amen? So, um, by the way, just as an aside, like, if you're single here, you're not actually fully off the hook either. I'm really, really sorry, right? But you're not. Because let's just think about this. If you live with your parents and I ask them about you, would they, tell, would they say that you're, you're like honoring, you know? Because you know that, that bit in the Bible where it's like the 10 great, um, you know, suggestions of God? Oh, no, wait, sorry. It was the 10 great commandments of God. <laughs> you know, one of those is honor your parents, right? Hello, it's honor your parents. It's, oh, well, Zach, you know, if they were honorable, I'd honor them. And it's like, yeah, but honor is, is it speaks volumes more about the person that gives it than the person that receives it. That's what honor is. When I honor someone, it actually speaks more about my character than theirs, especially if maybe they don't deserve it, right? All that sort of merit stuff, right? So, like, if I, yeah, here's another one. If you live in a flat, like, and ask your flatmates, like, you know, so, like, I flat with Bessie and Johnny and Preston here and Pauline, just go ask them. Like, don't be silly about it. Don't be like, oh, does that, like, empty the, like, dishwasher, you know? <laughs> the answer is, the answer is sometimes. No jokes, okay. So, <laughs> But ask them, like, because like, I have to practice what I preach, right? Dang it. You know, so just ask, you know, like, so if I ask your flatmates, like, hey, is that guy, like, is that guy legit? Does he actually believe what he, what he talks about? They should say, yes, absolutely. We approve of his leadership. Okay, because this is how it works. Okay, so if you have a healthy home life, okay, that will invariably lead to a healthy leadership ministry life, okay? But what I've found is that it's a one-way street. It doesn't flow the other way because there are some absolutely rocking like anointed of God ministries, right? And But then you like sort of look back and there's some awful home situations. Does that make sense? But So it doesn't sort of often lead this, it actually never does lead this way, but it always invariably will, by God's grace, lead that way. So you gotta focus on the home life first. You gotta get the stuff in order and then eventually it's gonna lead to that healthy ministry leadership life, okay? That's often what I've found, how this whole leadership thing works, amen? We hope you enjoyed this message. If you'd like to know more about our church or to find out what's coming up, check out c3church.org.nz.